This is Space Cats Peace Turtles, the unofficial podcast for Fantasy Flight's Twilight Imperium. Episode 130, Road to the Finals 2020. Music by Ben Prunty, featuring Matt Martins and Hunter Donaldson. We need a we need an official tournament song, you know. We do. Like we have our theme song, but that's not that's not tournament season song. We need the very epic, the brass we should, instruments. Yeah, we, 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 we need to pay somebody. <laughs> we to need to do... pay an orchestra to do a version of our theme song that sounds more like the Space Cats fight song. <laughs> Fight kitty fight. <laughs> I like Well, that. Hunter, this is it. I don't even know if we're... Do we talk about the finals in next week's episode? Like, is that a thing? Or is this like the last podcast episode that is kind of like exclusively about the tournament? Well, it, I'll it tell would you, feel very I'll tell weird you to have like an overview episode. It'd be fe- it would feel weird sure. to have a thing where we just like, okay, let me tell you everything that happened in the video we want you to watch. <laughs> I mean, so we've talked about beach episodes, and next week is definitely a beach episode. Oh my gosh, yeah. For sure. You know what's it funny might is literally, on, the, on the calendar, yeah. I think I have written down that we're doing the extra guide. <laughs> yeah. No. As if. No. no. Uh, um, we, have, we have been toiling, working uh, towards this Saturday, yeah. which uh, if you're listening to the show, if you're just checking it out for the first time or whatever, I don't know what situation you're in. Hopefully, you're listening to this when it came out. Yeah. Otherwise, this is point. This part is pointless. Um, this is a fun episode. Come on. Anyway, but please this part, check yes, out. This moment. No, no, no. This part. Yeah, what I'm saying right now is pointless. Everything else that's gonna be said does have a very big point. But please, uh, please come see the finals yeah. on Saturday. Please. Seventeen hundred UTC. That's what, uh, what is that in Pacific time? That's like 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, 1 yeah. p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It's going to be on our Twitch, twitch.tv slash Space Cats Peace Turtles. Mm-hmm. Um, it is just the biggest thing that we do. I, I mean, yeah, it's just <laughs> this is it. Yeah. This is this is the big one. This it's is the, all the game. come down to this. Yeah, this is the you know this is the bump 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 bump. Yeah, you know this is that's what this is. This is the bump 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 bump, and I'm freaking out. Are about you it. ready for some space cats? <laughs> uh, I I so my favorite part of this tournament is what it does to the rest of our year. Right, our our the conversations we had about Twilight Imperium play became defined by the tournament last year, right? Yes, yes. Suddenly players were Schroders and Magis and Nine of Spades and Vaunts, right? All, all of our finalists d- turned into like how we consider people to play. And it's, I feel like it serves two purposes. It's like, it's like competitive and it gives us like a reason to broadcast sure. these things and sure. create content that you, that you guys can enjoy but it also has this kind of like data collection yes. aspect absolutely like, 
We we explicitly learn more about this game. And I say we as in very specifically Hunter and I, but also I think all of us. I mean, we all we are all kind of messing with this data and that's why we try to get as much of it out there as we as we can so that we're all sort of learning the same concepts and learning the same stuff. Mm-hmm. And yeah, but but even just on a personal level like Hunter and I learn way more about this game by covering these individual games and right. Uh, and seeing what kind of play is possible. I mean, that was, if you go back and listen to like pre-Gen Con 2018 podcast and we're ta- and, and in the hype, the buildup to Gen Con 2018, we talked about the idea that that would be a thing that we could do, right? We talked about right. like, oh, it's going to just be so fun to see how other people play outside of our home group. And now, right. I mean, Tabletop Simulator, we do that kind of all the time, but but having it in these competitive atmospheres is just such a big deal. We are really rambling here, and we actually have quite a lot of episode That's true. ahead and of it, us. It, it, is a pro- it is a proper episode. We're actually going to do something weird. We're going to do the rundown first, yeah. um, which is probably... Well, actually, I, I should at least say what we're doing today. Today is time for us to talk to each of the finalists to get their... Uh, points of view on Twilight Imperium and also kind of tease you as far as what to expect uh, for the finals. So needless to say, if you haven't, if you're not trying to have the semifinal spoiled for you, um, the winners will all be spoiled if you listen to the entirety of this episode, which yeah. also like you have a, you, you better start watching now. Yeah. You, you're trying to catch <laughs> up by finals time. <laughs> yeah. You have some time, like you, you need, you need to, you need to get on this if you're trying yeah. to watch all the semifinals before you see the finals. Um, but yeah, so we sat down with, uh, each finalist and talked to them about a variety of subjects. Kingmaking comes up a lot. Um, and their attitudes towards late game win making yep. scenarios comes up a lot. We kind of get like a lot of about you know who these players are, um, what they do for a living, and yep. and how how they think about board games. It's really a fascinating series of interviews. Um, but first, Matt, do we want to just go ahead and do the rundown real quick? Because we yeah. have a lot of things to just kind of promo. I, I want to just thank all of our patrons um, uh, because this tournament and, and things like Gen Con and this show just wouldn't be possible without the people contributing to it. And and it, I think a lot of them take pride in this community, and they absolutely should because the community is what made this tournament happen. And and so those patrons are like, to me, the, 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 the pillar of of community engagement uh, and and making stuff like this happen. So thank you to just every single person that supports yes. us on Patreon. Especially, we don't we've been kind of avoiding like uh, overt COVID talk, but like everybody who's contributing right now, that's so incredibly generous <laughs> because expendable income is becoming a thing that a lot of people don't have. Mm-hmm. And so just like an extra thanks to everybody who like is for some reason making us a priority. That's just thank a you. huge deal, and, and just thank you so much. I, I want to thank our Space Kitties and Weird Bears. I want to thank our Weird Bears, Fargonus and T.G. Welch, and our Space Kitties, Naderade, Patience is a Virtue, Umar, Polyphony Requiem, Julian Rwise, Hippie Peace Turtles, Rekka, and Gazkio. Thank you, guys. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the Galactic Council and the Hunter Donaldson Fan Club real quick. Um, Galactic Council poll for next month's uh, topic is still up. Your choices are we talk about experimental tech paths. Um, we talk about Necro versus Jolnar. We have a Kingmaking Roundtable Part 2. Uh, we do a finals map analysis because we didn't have time to do that for the finals map. Um, and we talk about a, how, what a TI league could look like. We mm-hmm. talk about the pros and cons of that as a possibility. Um, also, 
Uh, we're on the second round of choices for 100 Donaldson Fan Club. That's where I stream a game one Friday night out of every month um, at the behest of the 100 Donaldson Fan Club. They tell me what I, what I get to play. Um, there are only two choices left. Um, I can either play Twilight Imperium on last year's finals map, which I would also do the last year draft as well, right. which would be a fun kind of blast from the past uh, kind of game. Or uh, I do a three three-player game on the uh, Trident map. Mm-hmm. Um, those are your options. Please uh, please vote. And if you're interested in voting, go ahead and join the Galactic Council or the Hunter Donaldson Fan Club. Um, yep. Those are both uh, Patreon tiers. Okay. And and, uh, and the little things, too, of just like, hey, follow us on Twitter at Space Cats Pod and on Facebook and, and uh, join our Discord. And uh, especially this weekend, man, I bet you... So the, the Twitch streams usually end fairly quickly once the game is done, but that that kind of you know that typical like post game discussion yes the discord explodes <laughs> after right. each of these games and so you want you are going to want to be on the discord after this weekend's game because i'm just sure there's going to be so much you know opportunity to talk talk about yeah. the game and, and everything that that goes down and whoever the winner is and holy cow it's upon us <laughs> oh my gosh right Ugh. um uh, one other thing I want to throw out there is that I will be um, having a couple random streams this week. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're just kind of wanting to follow our Twitch, uh, one will include um, some of my friends from uh, the podcast Read It and Weep, uh, of which I am a frequent guest. Uh, they are going to watch me play video games. I don't even know what game I'm going to play, but they are <laughs> both uh, super funny comedians, and we're just going to talk games and one of them doesn't know anything about video games so he's just gonna say a bunch of silly stupid stuff and uh it'll be super fun i think i'm gonna do that uh friday night and then wednesday and thursday i'm probably gonna play um root and oath respectively maybe ti actually um with some patreon uh folks so if you want to check that out that'll be uh just kind of evening times i don't have exact times figured out for that Mm. uh, but those will be in promotion of our big week um, leading up to the finals, yeah. which is on Saturday at 1700 UTC. Please be there. Please show up. Yee-haw. Please be there. Be there. Hunter, I'm so ready to okay. get to the interviews we did with these players. Yes. Uh, it's, yes. It was very exciting to sit down with all of them. Uh, we, we're going to lead it off with Luke, or who we now know as Duke Lukem. Uh, yes, which is christened just... Duke Lukem. <laughs> uh, and so just to kind of remind you, as as we're keeping up with things, uh, Luke won his prelims game as the Emirates of Hakan in Lil Brudder, and then won his barony, uh, his semis game as barony in Nike. Uh, so uh, I... I I think I said last week that Luke is like my favorite to win right now. And after mm-hmm. interviewing, I, I mean, you know, we learned a lot about all the players. I still really like Luke and his brain and the way he plays this game. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very excited for everyone to hear kind of how he picks this game apart. Well, yeah, let's uh, let's get into it. Here is our first interview with Duke Lukem. We're here with uh, with Duke Lukem. I'm gonna say the first of our finalists. I just decided this is the first one uh-huh. because that because you were the you were the first one that we got as well. We just want to start asking you, Luke, with if you had to describe yourself stylistically as as a player of Twilight Imperium, what do you feel? What do you feel like your philosophy? Um, actually, I want to start with where does it come from? Do mm-hmm. you feel like because you were talking about in the pre-interview 
what players you were kind of looking at stylistically. Yeah. Um, and that was interesting to me. So uh, stylistically, the first time I really thought about how I was playing Twilight Imperium was about this episode last year. So the finalist interviews for the last tournament. And the three players that kind of caught my attention as having like three different styles would be um, Magi, Vaughn, and Schroeder being kind of the efficiency calculator. I mean, obviously there's more to Magi's play than that, and there's more to right. all of their play, but in, in a general sense, being very efficient, very diplomatic in Vaughn's case, and very deal-making in Schroeder's case. I sort of looked at that and was like, I'm not really a dealsy sort of person, so I'm looking more at like being very diplomatic, but also trying to be as efficient as possible and just trying to utilize like what I have as effectively as possible. Right. How do mm -hmm. you how do you treat that efficiency um, problem in Twilight Imperium? Like what what when you're trying to make the most efficient play possible, what all is going into that um, calculation for you? Uh, so you're just looking at like the end goal of getting to the 10 points and just trying to work back from that as much as possible. You can break everything down just into like economy. And then the thing that I, I like is I like it at the end of the game when you have no planets outside your home system and no trade goods and you win the game. And that means you've done everything perfectly because you've won and you've spent all your stuff and you've done nothing unnecessary. Mm -hmm. It's sort of just like every activation, you're like, is this going to help me win? Am I doing this in the best way possible? Can I get potentially multiple points out of a single token being spent? If I'm taking, if I'm taking this planet to score one objective, can I then leverage it into scoring another objective? So for example, a good, a good example of this is uh, if you're doing like a planet trade to score like, uh, I don't know, six non-home systems or something like that where you can usually buy a planet off someone for fairly cheap. It's like, can you then spend that and try and get something out of spending it as well? Next round, could you get a spend objective using that planet? Because if you, if, if you can, then usually you're getting really good value for your money. Right. So within all that value proposition, then you've talked before about um, where the human element of that comes in and, um, and how, <laughs> I guess, the the perfect optimization falls short at a certain point. Or maybe you wouldn't categorize it that way, but but that the human element maybe somehow yeah. has to also be factored into that optimization. Yeah, because the human element has to be factored in because you're you're not playing against robots. If you if you attack someone, even if it is to score a point, if you activate their stuff, they're gonna remember that. And then in a couple of rounds, that negative perception of you, that could be them playing an action card on you when they could be playing it on someone else. Could be them activating your stuff instead of activating someone else's even though they could accomplish the same thing by activating the other person so it's just trying to be as diplomatic as possible to save future you trouble right are you are you a i don't know if you're going crazy on this or not are you like assigning values to that sort of thing like are you saying like if i attack that is equal to negative three meta points or is it just sort of that you know it will be bad like how how deep does this I, go in your brain yeah i i don't think you can assign actual values to it like mathematically it's more just like a fuzzy thing it's mm -hmm, uh mm -hmm. it's like a feel you have a feel for it right but then another thing is that it can kind of work in the other way i guess an example of this is in my semis game in the last round i was fairly sure that nalu had spark and we're going to try and spark to win. And the reason why I moved into their home system was actually to try and bait them to spark on me because I had a skilled retreat. Wow. And in the <laughs> end, they in the end they decided to try and spark off Muat because Muat had blown their flagship up, and that was an easier fight. 
And then Muat ended up having the skilled retreat, which kind of saved my bacon. That's nice. But oh. and I left that destroyer there, the lone destroyer. He was sitting there trying to get spot so he could skilled retreat away. That was mm. the entire reason he existed. Wow. So so you're you're approaching all of this stuff of a like a close eye on the meta. What's your opinion of of deal making and stuff? I mean, are you are you engaging in secret conversations and stuff like that? Or is that something you like actively avoid? Yes. Yeah, so I try and avoid starting secret conversations. Mm. I really dislike starting a secret conversation. If someone invites me to a secret conversation, then I'll hear them out. Of course, um, I think it would be rude not to because they might have something good. And I feel like if you get invited to a secret conversation, it can make your position seem better for everyone else, because they're like, oh, what does this person have mm -hmm. that, that person A wants from them? Mm -hmm. And an another thing that I feel like kind of weird about, I guess, is support for the thrones. So in both of my tournament games so far, I haven't received a support for the throne. Oh, interesting. <laughs> if everyone's going to swap support for the thrones, then I guess you've got to jump on board that to, right. Not, right. to not fall behind. Right. So your, if, your semis game, though, is the one that famously no one did it, right? Like you yeah, all yeah, agreed not to not single trade. So, I mean, yeah. in that one is kind of a special circumstance, but to, to know that you didn't even have one in, in the prelims game, I mean, you're getting to 10 points where everyone else in most of these games is getting to nine points realistically. Uh, which is a, a wicked interesting uh, thought for me, just in, in terms of like how you're measuring up to these other players. You're you're basically mm -hmm. avoiding mm -hmm. one point that everybody else is getting and still finding victories. So, that's well, in the scary. <laughs> in my prelims game, it was kind of a bit rough in that regard because mm -hmm. I got left um, I got left like as a bit of a points leader early on. I didn't actually want to be it, but I kind of inherited a, a, like a, a pretty strong position where I'd have been silly to not take the points. Right. So I ended up not getting a support. But then later on, I like used my support to pay a player off for breaking a support with a different player. Mm -hmm. So I guess that worked to my advantage. But in in both my prelim and my semis game, I consider them like to be pretty similar. So it's like kind of two runs of the same game because in in both games, a lot of the same things happened like beat wise for for me i guess another thing that's very similar between the two of them is i took the player to my left's home system both times <laughs> <laughs> as a as a kind of like preview for the finals i feel like i kind of want to ask everybody what their philosophy is when it comes to uh the late game and situations where players have uh, a feasible path to 10 and either you do as well or or you don't what do you feel like your your attitudes are when it comes to uh, not necessarily king-making outright, but just like kind of king-makey scenarios. Yeah, so my opinion of that is as long as the game can be stalled, as long as it's going to actually increase my chances of winning the game, then I will do everything I can to make that happen. But then as soon as it's like I don't see a route for me winning, I don't see a path with like someone's obviously going to win at a lower initiative than me and their stuff's all secured and like all the points are over the table. Like there's no secrets involved. It's purely just them gonna win and nothing I can do to stop it. But I could stop someone at a lower initiative. I don't really see much point in stopping the person at the lower initiative. If you're gonna win at initiative two, it should be your responsibility to stop initiative one. Right. Uh, yeah. Because if the whole table's stopping initiative one and letting you win at initiative two and you're like just sitting there, 
then that's actually making it harder. And the rest of the table should be like, hey, you need to stop this person and then we can stop you. And what it generally works out to even for the opportunity to be that way, because generally whoever takes initiative one, their neighbor is going to be the person that took initiative two and so on. You're exactly. Not have yeah. Yeah. That jumping so it, around. Yeah. In that way, like the last round makes for some pretty interesting. I think in the semis game as well, like there were a lot of people set up to win in the status phase. Mm-hmm. It pretty much just came down to I'm at initiative one. Someone's got to stop me. And then someone's got to stop Sardak. And then someone's got to stop Ysaril. And someone's got to stop Muat. <laughs> it's like Russian dolls. And then, if, and then if all that happens, then L1 will win. All right. Um, like, yeah. So here's here's maybe you won't reveal this TBD, but uh, I'm curious. Go. I don't know if you've seen what is probably pretty much officially the finals map. I don't think we're making any last minute changes to it. But even if you mm-hmm. haven't, what uh, what kind of factions and slices are you looking for in the final? I mean, obviously, like Ooh. it's all luck on what you roll in the draft and what you'll actually have access to. But yeah. if you, if you could have the perfect start. What do you what what does that look like for Luke? I mean, I'll take Sauron anywhere. Well, sure. Right. <laughs> <laughs> my my preferred kind of factions are the ones that are not the top top tier, mm. but sort of getting there. So Barony, Hakan, and then I probably would put Necro also in that tier, and then slightly mm. lower L1Z1X and like Yin and stuff. Those kind of factions, that's probably my most comfortable pool i'd say uh just to kind of end real real quick on this um luke do you mind telling us what uh what it is that you do for a living or or i guess what i should say is like who are you in the daytime as opposed to who are you in twilight imperium (laughs) yeah so uh i'm a student i'm studying for a master's in mechatronic and robotics engineering whoa of course (laughs) of course you are (laughs) yeah so fundamentally that all kind of neatly fits together of uh calculation plus humanity equals he didn't say cyborgs but i have a simple brain and when he said robotics i heard i study cyborgs you know yeah Yeah. cyborgs that's what i heard i teach Um, robots how to love (laughs) yeah Okay, that was Luke. What a nice guy. What a yeah. what a what a just a smart fella and uh terrifies me with his big robot brain. Uh so <laughs> I I you know what I found interesting about talking to Luke uh was I did not expect to to me Luke is kind of carrying the type of uh, the unaligned magi type yes. of thinking into yeah. into the finals. I feel like he is he is carrying that that torch that Definitely. flag he's a more yeah. socially active uh uh player at the table than than magi uh so he's right. kind of, he really is defining his own kind of thing in this but yeah amongst these six players he is very much our most kind of analytical and kind of paying attention to the numbers and, and like running the numbers beforehand and everything so right um right very very intrigued by how that's gonna play out with some of these other players who are much more notably um meta obsessed than they are right, right. Stats obsessed. i feel like it's it's a it's a very good split as far as people that play above the table and people that are a little more about the the plastic and yeah. the economy of everything definitely um all right so who who do we have next matt next up is shorty five five shorty won uh his prelims game as the yin brotherhood in the best one uh, which happened for a few people. <laughs> well, that that's kind of a choice combination there. Uh, but then was able to win his semis game as the Federation of Soul 
in Sprite. This was the game where he sat between two very popular players, Defteris and Jaybird or Grizzly mm-hmm. Bear. Uh, we talk about this in the interview, but uh, he, right. he, he came from this kind of crazy position of being sandwiched between two players who were trying to take advantage of him, and he, uh, he turned it around on them and, and really came out ahead in that game. And we should mention uh, Luke was the winner of game number one in the semifinals, if you want to watch that game. Um, Also, Shorty was the winner of game two. I know it sounds like we're doing them in order. Uh, It actually breaks up after this. But uh, but Shorty won uh, game two if you want to watch his game. We we refer to it a lot, um, and it was super interesting. So definitely worth checking that one out for sure. Game two of the semifinals. Yeah. So here's our interview with Shorty. Would you say business development has uh, helped you in specifically your negotiations in your <laughs> semi or uh, prelims, whatever it was, semis game between sitting between Jaybird mm-hmm. and Defterus? I don't want to yeah. I don't want to spend this whole time talking about them because this is about <laughs> you and what you were able to accomplish. But I think what you are able to accomplish in that game is notable because you sort of built off the opportunities that those two players gave to you so what was i guess what was your take on that whole situation i think we've talked a lot of it about it a Mm -hmm. lot from our perspective but i want to know how you felt in that hot seat and and how you felt you were handling that yeah i think defers reached out pretty early and was encouraging me to go after that equidistant uh that um the other equity he was willing to to give me our equidistant if I went after the other equidistant. So mm-hmm. I, I think realizing that they have far more TI experience than I do, I think my my approach was just to try not to get screwed over that badly. And so my I, I kind of thought I was getting the bad end of it, but I felt that getting kind of a one-way ceasefire would serve me well in the future because right. mm-hmm. it would it would potentially, if I left myself somewhat open and exposed, which I did, it would limit the amount of damage I could take right. from Defterus because I could always just pop the ceasefire and, and then maybe recover. So I think my approach was really just to kind of hang in there and not not sort of lead, just kind of be in the middle. And that's part of why I kind of left Mechatol in that game is that I feel like if you just sit on Mechatol and rack up Imperial points, you just get a big target on your back. And right. I wanted to deflect some of the animosity towards others as well as kind of pit them against each other because right. it was kind of clear that they were they were going to go at it throughout the game and so the more they were fighting with each other and trying not to have me get screwed over i felt i was in a better position yeah i mean i think that right. definitely plays out too in just the idea that even the other players all they were doing the whole game was talking about jaybird and defterus and and it was mm-hmm. almost never them pointing fingers at, at you even though you were clearly a part of every deal with both of those players like if if they were able to sort of take themselves out of it they should have been like oh we we got to pay attention to that whole side of the board but because you were able to sort of just stay in the shadows of all that conversation you let the heat get re redirected on to to those two do you think you yep. play that way a lot of the time or was that really unique to to that specific game I think, and again, I, I'm a relatively newer TI4 player. I've got a bit more TI3 experience, but the, the meta is very different mm-hmm. uh, part of this community. I, I just think if you're leading early, you just get a target on your back. Yeah, so I don't. Yeah. I think no matter the situation, and you have to be very careful about jumping too many points ahead because then all of a sudden the whole table starts uniting. And I think that's the person who gets united against, I think is going to have a 
challenging time winning because yeah. all of a sudden all the heat all the cards start coming against you you're better off being in that kind of third second or third position yeah. within striking distance so that all the heat is directed at the player who's winning which happened a lot in my prelim game soul if you remember matt it was a oh, player yeah. elimination and soul controlled half the map right and everyone was like oh soul this soul that and meanwhile i just kind of kept getting points and never really had much anger yeah. kind of deflected at me and that also benefited the winu player in that game yeah he was really close and because no one was paying attention oh it's winu and souls the big bad soul i think both of us were within striking distance and i just happened to get the secret before he mm -hmm. i think he had it in the bag too so i, I think that's my approach generally yeah. Uh, Shorty, I have a, I have kind of a theoretical question for you. Sure. Because um, you're, you're kind of talking about, you know, if you take the lead, you get the, the target painted on your back. Um, what if, let's just say that you get a favorable speaker position, or you're kind of in a position where, like, um, you are the person that is going to get to take Mechatol Rex and maybe get an Imperial point off of it. What if you have to take the lead? What does that look like? Or, or is it? Or is your philosophy so cemented that it's like you're going to avoid the lead? And of course, I mean in the early and mid game, um, if necessary. Yeah, that's a good question. I think, I think what I would try to do is say, hey, I'm, I, you know, and it came from one of the, the semis. It's like, oh, hey, I need this point. I got to get in the game. And then once I get the point, maybe I'll leave Mechatol. Mm -hmm. And so I, I might be saying, oh, I'm just going to take it this turn. I'm going to get off. I'm going to retreat because I, I just that that's how I would approach it. Try to lock the point in and then right. leave. And cause you can always come back. And I think I actually did that in the semis. I left and then I came back to Mechatol. Mm -hmm. So it's not, right. you know, Oh, once I'm there and I leave, I'm gone. You can always come back. I, I just think sitting on Mechatol, it, it's just necessarily right in the middle of the map. Everyone can reach it. Everyone sees you on there and thinks right. you're parking and going to score points. So I think it's take the points when you can and then back off and then look for an opportunity to get back on later. Maybe it's taking politics uh, quickly so that you have a chance at Imperial the next round. So I think that's how I think about it. How do you, um, how do you, do you prepare for games? I mean, how, how much are you, do you take notes? Are you, are you, you know, building biographies about the other players or <laughs> are you, are you playing the games you're in and, and seeing what, what happens? I mean, I, I, I'll say, you know, we don't, I don't see you on the discord as often. So, yeah. so it's, it's hard to know kind of what you're doing in the background or, or, or what's going on. So, so yeah, what's your, what's kind of your, your prep? I mean, I'll be honest. I still am learning TI4. I mean, I've only played, this is, I think it's been, five games now wow. four to five games <laughs> and so i'm really still i swear to god i'm i'm reading that faction sheet sheet to just i, I know that sounds terrible but i i'm just still feel like i'm in learning mode that's hilarious um, so, so i'm not at the point where i'm like oh man this player is going to do x y yeah. and z i mean I've, I've watched a bit of all the semi games mm -hmm. so i have some feel for the players uh but i don't think i'm taking notes i'm really yeah. just i'm trying to I'm just trying to kind of get a little bit more comfortable with some of the cards and have some of the cards internalized mm -hmm. um, kind of what I just think understanding what can happen to you in the game is very important. Yeah. And getting that base knowledge and just reading through card lists. I mean, that's, that's almost where I'm at right now. Yeah. So, I mean, we've talked about like what, what you were doing in your prelims and semis games, but to get, I guess maybe a bit more 
vague about it. Like, what do you think has led to your successes? Because I, I think I think people will listen to this and be like, well, he hasn't played that many games. He's just <laughs> lucked into his wins. And I don't think that's a fair assessment. So I'm curious, like, what your, mm-hmm. what your pushback would be on that. And what how do you think you're finding? I mean, do you think um, you just kind of have a natural strategic brain for playing mm-hmm. against people or you know wh- where is that coming do you play a lot of other board games that are related yeah. and so you can share that so experience that, exactly yeah so i think i there's always an element of luck in these games i think i got a little luckier in the semis than the prelims like i felt my prelims game was stronger mm. um than my semis game i think i i got a bit fortunate probably more than a bit fortunate in, in some areas in the semis um but I do play a lot of other board games. So I, I play all sorts of other strategy board games, Euros, 18xx games, gotcha. uh, war games, less so war games, um, other sort of larger format games, historical sort of simulations. If you guys have ever played Here I Stand or Virgin Queen, oh, gotcha. um, things like that. So I, I think I have a pretty deep experience with strategy games in general. And there's there's always commonalities across mm-hmm. games. I mean, right. I, you can only do the same mechanics so many times in different ways. But uh, so I, I do think I lean on my experience in other games to try to compensate for perhaps my lack of TI4 experience. But I have been playing TI3 for over 10 years. So, right. So the, the terminology and the with, ideas aren't foreign to yeah. you. It's literally just the incredibly specific TI4 mechanics and wordings of things that that would be yeah. the only spot that you you are saying you feel kind of uncomfortable I do, and just the kind of reps that people have. They've yeah. played, you know, 10, 20, 30 games. You just you see more things in those plays, and so you can kind of call upon that. I mean, there's some games that I've played, you know, 50 to 100 times, and so you can say, oh, I remember I've been in this situation, and here's what I have did. So because I don't have that experience gap, I just kind of have to wing it right. um, and just kind of read the state of the game that I'm in and try to figure out the best path forward. What do you think about um, late game uh, kind of king or win-makey uh, situations? Um, what what could we expect to see from you in the finals if, if it is a situation of everybody's kind of at nine, let's say you have a path or you don't have a path, like how, what, what's your philosophy with that type of stuff? Yeah, so I always, I always say, I think this is like a Herm Edwards, you play to win the game. So, mm-hmm. I, my single objective is to point maximize. So I will always take the play that maximizes my points relative to others. If there is not a play that I can score points, then I'm just not going to do anything. I'm not going to do something that's going to help one player versus the Mm -hmm. other. I'll only now it may as a necessary kind of, uh, outgrowth of me doing my move, help somebody, but I'll do my move if it, scores me points mm-hmm, um, right so i don't want to just king make for the sake of king making it could happen because i'm doing something to better my own score um but i won't i don't like to kind of play that role and there's there's a game i think i remember where i could have helped one player or the other and i just said i'm not doing anything because it doesn't help me in any way and mm-hmm. i'm not gonna help one player over another mm-hmm. so i think that's my philosophy on that yeah, I've definitely had games where I reacted exactly like that. Um, in game four in the semis, uh, Jokalobo uh, makes a very similar choice of just like, listen, this is not going to get me any points. You kind of have to win. You, if you're trying to win the game, you have to you have to do that work and win the game for yourself. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
Yeah, and I'm not going to stop one player just so another player can win. Now, if it's stopping the player that's going to win and no one else can win because then it's going to give me a chance to win on the next round, that's a different story. Right, right. right. Well, dang, we th- this one we fired through it all. That that feels yeah, like wow. a lot of the <laughs> a lot of the talking more, points. I did. guess. <laughs> no, I mean this is great. Uh, it's 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 good. I don't know if we have any. Did, is there anything else, Sorty, that you just like? I don't know. Want to get out there? Is is there anything you know you feel like we haven't touched on that is something you feel deeply about in TI and, and your strategy or anything? I mean, is, is there anything we're missing? No, I don't think so. I mean, I, I'm just looking forward to the game. I really, I you know, maybe people will listen to this and say, oh, he did get lucky. And I, I do feel like I got a little lucky to get here. But, you know, these are good players. And, and I think I will go into this game on the weaker end, which isn't a bad thing because yeah. I think everyone's going to think, oh, he's, you know, he's the weak player. Right. We can try to take advantage right. of him. And sometimes that's not a bad position to I mean, be in. Yeah, it everyone's it's how you got you through those deals. semis. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, if, I mean, if you get to fly <laughs> think, under the radar of, of ginger and i don't know john's uh negotiations then maybe yeah maybe maybe you find it is there anyone uh with you know i'm not asking you to divulge any of your uh your secrets or anything but uh is is there anyone you're you're you've got your eye on of kind of like who, who you're not maybe worried about or or you're looking to pump up as the person with the target on there now not really i probably need to watch more of the semis um I mean, I think it was Ginger's game looked pretty good in the in game six. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't watched the rest of it, but uh, but then Brian's game looked good. I mean, everyone's game, the, even Mick Mac Moose, like he played a good extra. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. he, he had a really got that flagship going. I mean, it. All these guys are pretty good. I, I feel like that was truer in the semis. It was true in the semis as well. I think the prelims, there was a definite bump up in kind of the quality of play from prelim to semis. And so I expect right. much of the same. But even that semis game, I feel like there were a lot of really good players. Yeah. So I'm kind of thinking back to that and and just saying, okay, you know, I can compete. I can be in the mix. Um, and so I really just, I want to be in the mix come end game. You know, I'd be okay if I... I didn't win I think I'd be upset if I just bombed out so I think I'm just looking to be competitive looking to have a shot and uh, if I can do that I'll, I'll be pretty pleased All right, so I kind of like um, the thing that I really liked about Shorty's interview uh, was that I feel like he's kind of already laying down the groundwork for a win from behind. Yeah. Even right. within like this episode, <laughs> this interview was part of his meta game yeah. towards that goal of just being like, oh no, he's just shorty. Don't right. worry about it. Not a big deal. You well, know, it's just- so funny because, and we remark on it, I think to him in the interview, but it's so interesting how that feeds directly into his style. Like that, that right. he thrives in that environment of not being, of, of no one expecting him to come out ahead right of right of just kind of hanging out in the back of the pack and he's you know he's talking but he's not overly talking and then just like he comes out of nowhere and 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 using that lack of knowledge about him kind of to his his advantage right right yeah yeah um well so our next interview is with um someone that we have a lot of history with yep. uh in the the history of the show um, we've got John up next. Um, one thing I want to say about John that I think is really interesting is if there was a point system <laughs> for um, our tournaments, if you took both tournaments and kind of assigned points based off like making it through rounds, yep. 
I guess John and Magi would probably be, they would have the most points. Yeah. They yeah. are. They both made it uh, to semis and they've now both made it to finals. To as a players. finals. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if, if you, obviously, if you count other tournaments, then I think Magi overall has, would have the most points in this type thing. But if you right. just count Space Cats, Peace Turtles uh, tournaments, John and Magi would have the same amount. Now, this is, in this weird thing I'm throwing out randomly, I guess I don't know how much points winning is worth. Winning's <laughs> probably also worth a lot. So it would be nine, John and Magi have the most right. Space Cats, Peace Turtles tournament points. Um, and John, just in general, uh, if you're kind of confused as far as some of the things that we talk about in this interview uh you should check out is it i think game 10 of the prelims of mm-hmm. last year that sounds is kind of where this saga with john started well no game um, t- prelims would have been game 18 oh it was game 18 it was the yeah, very right. last i'm game. sorry he even says it it, in the interview he says it as though it's this ominous thing that has existed in his life for a year it's like if you'll remember game 18, game <laughs> it's 18 like he yeah. has, has that title in his head uh so yeah uh john in this tournament played as and won as Hakan in Turtles Paradise, one of the very few Turtles Paradise wins in the prelims, mm-hmm. uh, and also won as Nalu in Wendy's. So uh, I'm I'm excited for for what John's going to be able to pull off. Uh, he he talks a lot about studying the game, and I'm and I'm I'm just so curious to see how we we really do. I feel like this this whole set of players is split in half, which is like the ana- the analytical players that are really like digging deep before their games and then the players mm-hmm. that just are like going in and they just know the game and they're gonna they're gonna do what they can when they hit sit down at the table um right. so right this this is john so uh i want to get to you know kind of the the core of john and you know we won't we don't have to dig into everything but i'm just kind of curious about um, your experience with board gaming in general and kind of how that led you eventually to Twilight Imperium. Um, where, where did you kind of start getting into TI? Um, well, I think in board gaming in general, it was like Access and Allies when I was 12 with my two brothers. <laughs> and and uh, that led into like, well, Risk actually came kind of same time. We even like remade Risk. So there was a Russia and Asia was a little bit more tenable. Um, <laughs> And then so, but then we got into this thing where like, I loved board gaming. Most of my friends don't, but on my birthday, everyone has to play a board game if you're hanging out around John. So (laughs) I started forcing people to come play board games with me. And I remember my first exposure to Twilight Imperium, I think it was through uh, Shut Up and Sit Down, but we debated forever if I was going to make everybody play Eclipse or if I was going to make everybody play TI3. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we ended up playing Eclipse, but uh, I picked TI4 when it finally came out and then have regretted picking Eclipse all those years ago. <laughs> the great <Every> trail. <laughs> so, so you didn't get into TI until TI four, um, but yeah, I guess you kind of hit the ground r- running. And um, I think we talked about the, the, some of the pre-interview, and we don't have to get into all the specifics. But you, you actually kind of have. Um, I'm not going to say more free time than other people. That's not a fair assessment of it. But um, when you were preparing for the semis game, I know I was seeing messages from you constantly because I was trying to test maps and stuff like that. And and you were constantly sending me drafts that you guys had done. So you were playing constantly <laughs> in preparation for the semis. Is that how, I mean, is, is that a big part of how you approach Twilight Imperium is, is incessant practice? I think so sometimes. 
And so when it came to the semi semis, about the time that I saw the schedule and I saw that patience was in my game, oh yeah, I got hyper motivated, <laughs> and I was probably playing a game of TI every day, either wow. with my in life group or the Seattle group on their Discord because I have flown up to like the Seattle term in the past. I know Connor and those guys. Mm. Or they, I, this group of people that were all practicing for their semis game just kind of had this regular thing. And I, I have to credit my win to a lot of them. So I really want to thank Kaluan and Jaybird, Connor, mm-hmm. Patience, Magi, Deftris, and Ginger. Man. They were kind of the really core group. And like two of us made it into the finals. Right. But- That's Yeah, I was about to say that is quite a group <laughs> to be practicing with if you want to prepare for semifinal and final level play um so can i add one more thing absolutely real quick please do because i think it asked to the question is that i don't think that i'm as good as a lot of those players okay what can set me apart is that i'm i can practice to be better so while i might not be as good as patience uh, on a random map random people random day with practice i can be as good as those guys on that map that day that group of six guys Mm -hmm. if that makes sense it does yeah. So you you are you are diligently preparing. What does that preparation um, look like? I mean, are you like taking? Cr- I've seen stuff like Celia's husband is also like a big note taker, and, and she sent me pictures of his notebooks, and he's working out like every conceivable thing you could do within every turn to to kind of an unrealistic degree of like, okay, on turn three I'll use plague, and it's like, well, okay, you have to have plague to to write that into your plan. So where does where does your planning come into play I, I i think the patience thing is a has seemed like a big deal of of you really wanted to prepare against patience does that trend towards all of your opponents uh, no it doesn't and i love patience and i don't think you can have a podcast where we talk about john and not necessarily talk about patience <laughs> <laughs> but uh no it doesn't like normally I, you guys called me and patience adults and i feel like both of us were just really motivated <laughs> to kind of prove who deserved game 18. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and maybe and he maybe he did from on the table play. And but we're not going to go back into that. But I, I think we're just really adult in our rivalry. I think you guys nailed it. Yeah, absolutely. Characterization. You two have a respect for each other that I, I think is is a big deal. And, and I feel like you apply that same respect to a lot of your opponent uh, opponents. Um, so I guess what I'm curious about is what do you think it takes to um, to to win against some of the best players? I mean, like you said, you know, you don't necessarily consider yourself maybe better than some of these other really good players, but you can prepare against them. What are you? What are the factors that kind of you think contribute to success the best? At this level, I think it comes down to two things, and I'll make sure we talk about both. But the first is just RNG, uh, including speaker order. So for me, the draft is almost as important as the rest of the game. So the only thing I really take notes on, the how many drafts on each type of map. Mm-hmm. And that's the notes that I keep. And then specifically, like what people are choosing. Like, um, you know, uh, it's kind of, and I, and I kind of written about it on the Discord, but like I didn't get three bans, but I specifically wanted to ban uh, like in my game, I wanted to ban sardak for i'm sorry that's not my game i would have in jaybird's game all oh, right in my game i wanted to ban mintak for patience right. and did so 
Yeah. Or, but that part of that was only because Necro was already banned and I didn't want Necro getting into Cluen's hands. Like, right. Right. So you're, you're focusing your bans on the people that you're up against. Obviously, I mean, I'm sure you, you would like ban Asar if you had to, but you are hoping to get yourself into a scenario where you get to counter ban against a specific player because you, you know what you've prepared against what they are good with. And you're, you're trying to um, prevent that early game RNG from working too much in their favor. Yeah, the great segue because I get to talk to all the other finalists here. If you guys leave me Jolnar and Sar, <laughs> we're gonna have a real interesting game with my six pack. I promise. <laughs> um, so the okay. other thing I want to talk yes, to when we talk about it, level, it comes down to who makes the least mistakes, Matt. Right. And sorry to. No, and please. I feel like uh, often at the start of the game, um, I may be making more mistakes per hour than other players. But uh, I used to be a Marine and I have a lot of physical endurance. And so like by 4 a.m., I find that while I haven't gotten any better, sometimes my opponents have uh, gotten worse than I have um, right. through the long endurance thing. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, is there, so when it comes to endurance, uh, you, were, you were talking about in the past you were a Marine. Um, uh, I am wondering, is there uh, maybe another field that you are competitive in that may, might have some overlap with Twilight Imperium? Uh, I am an sports car club of America professional race car driver. Um, <laughs> so that endurance of driving a race car for hours on end, I think, has right. a direct mental yeah. turnover to no Twilight kidding. Imperium. So, yeah. Yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's awesome that this b both last year and this year you are kind of the I mean not to put pressure on you or paint a target on you, but it's like the same thing with last year when Nine of Spades told us he was a professional poker player or he had been a semi professional poker player I should say. Mm -hmm. um, to know that you kind of have a um, a brain for competition in general and then you're just applying that to Twilight Imperium. Um, is there so yeah? I'm curious. Is there any crossover like that you could really no, or I, I, this is a genuine, I have no idea how much TI relates to race car driving. So it's, it, it'd be very interesting to me if you thought there was some really prevalent area where they were, you know, similar. I, I don't know that they are specifically, sure. but how I do my race car, um, and I should say anti-race car money. I've lost more money than I've ever been paid. Racing cars. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, how I prep for track. So like I have a simulator built at the house and I will memorize every corner and memorize every breaking point. Like I am gotcha. a very from memory, less skilled player. Like my brother also does some motorsports with me and he's a way better by the seat of his pants driver than mm. I am. But give me, and he'll beat me the first time we're out on any track. But give me 40 hours in the simulator and he's never getting close to me again. Right, right. I feel like TI can be similar, whereas that like there's lots of people that are way better at this game than I am. Uh, but if I can practice enough, I, I can play at their level, if not better, which worked great in my semis. The fact that I've only gotten like two practice games in is not voting well for the finals. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I, I debated on when I should release the finals map because I knew people were preparing a lot more. The whole theory behind last year's finals map was like, nope, you don't get any preparation. But this year's draft has not allowed that to be <laughs> the case. Anyways, that's my own little tangent. John, how do you, what's your philosophy towards like late game kind of king makey uh, scenarios as far as like, I don't know, like stopping each other from winning or support for the throne in general. How do you feel? 
Yeah, I think I take a like a hardcore libertarian economics <laughs> approach to points. <laughs> to me, there is no difference if you give somebody a support for the throne for their first point or a support for their throne for their tenth point. Mm-hmm. So I'm probably the hardest side of the spectrum when it comes to that like king making discussion. Every game of Twilight Imperium uh, always comes down to king making, in my opinion, because the right. action you do and every action you do not do either wins the game for you right. or wins the game for one of your opponents. Right. Yeah. I mean, you you and your semis game had that kind of critical play of sort of saying like, hey, listen, I can give you a better opportunity to win for yourself if you also increase my odds. And, and I always kind of admire players that are willing to take that approach because it's, it's kind of saying, you know, there are some players that are kind of relying on this weird sense of like honor within ti in general whereas i feel like you take a look at the game and go hey we got to this point because of (laughs) these events so you know i i want to push myself into the best odds so rather than remaining at a 10 percent chance to win you would rather do the crazy thing that gives you the 50 percent chance to win yeah no i think that's fair if it increases my chances to win i think i do think that's definitely the way i look at it so last year after i lost my finals I had three games that I wanted to win, and I beat Root at playing as Ghost against Barney. I beat Hunter and Matt playing as Soul when I went for a Mechathorush. And I finally beat Patience. So all three of my big naysayers. Wow, <laughs> you did it. So, you, so you've so you already won I the finals crown. in your own heart. You've, you oh, you yeah. don't, don't need to win this game. Pick yeah, yeah. Like, I, 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 my finals game is going to be for the chat. Like, oh no that makes sense well awesome john thanks for joining us and uh good luck in the finals the thing i would say about that interview that was most interesting to me is that john uh kind of had the nine of spades moment uh in this episode in in the last um road to the finals we were surprised to learn that Nine of Spades had like this kind of interesting competitive history. Yeah. Uh, that kind of immediately made, at the time, we didn't know Nine of Spades that well. Right. Um, and it kind of instantly made us be like, whoa, okay, this, this, this it might serious. make a lot of sense for this yeah. guy to win. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I will say, uh, honestly, John's kind of storyline through, if, if, if you just listened to that interview and was like, oh, I'm really interested in actually kind of seeing every part of this, uh, I think I'm just going to make a special playlist. A John playlist. Uh, you'll, ha- you'll have to search for it where it's just the whole John arc where yeah. you can watch um, game 18 from the prelims and then you can even watch his semifinal and knockout games. Yeah. Um, and then the ending with the semifinals from this year because that right. is that is kind of his his arc. Yeah. Um, and it's well, what I what I really like about John, too, is is this mixture of a lot of um, a lot of I think raw skill, but like he says, kind of multiple times. I mean, he puts an exhaustive amount of effort into preparing for these mm-hmm. games because he he sees himself as not someone who can just sit down and, and knock it out of the park. But it is that preparation that is what makes a good athlete, right? Or 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 right. esports athlete or whatever you want to call. It. It's like you have to go through those paces to to actually be up to snuff. So I, I think he discredits himself too much and and paints the picture that like oh i have to do this just to be competitive and i would say more that it's like that is exactly what like makes you excel is that that level of preparation is just something that other players are not always putting in to the same degree and and being having kind of a muscle memory with this kind of stuff even though like 
how you talk to other players isn't a muscle memory, but like that stuff is still all present. So I'm I'm very mm-hmm. interested to see if that if the prep work is going to pay off for him. Yeah, and on, honestly, at the end of the day, uh, John and patience is a virtue is the best rivalry we yeah. ha- we have in Absolutely. in Twilight Imperium. Yeah. It is it is supreme. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, and, um, and okay, the fact we, that we, that we got, rivalry oh. comes with like the the amends the two of them have made and that the two of them like to play with each other a lot and and, like, <laughs> yeah. and yet it is it's such and a the mutual a nice, respect yeah exactly it's, it's such a nice rivalry um anyways yeah we next up uh we do have our interview with brian so brian you and i at this point now go along go a ways back in terms of i feel like you are the person we have collected the most errata from. Um, I don't know anybody who has made more comments on episodes, um, but also had the most of those comments be a right and good point that we then had to bring up on the next week's episode. So uh, I'm curious, uh, like, you don't always have as many hot takes as everybody else, but you always have like a dissenting opinion or a, or another thought on how, how things go. Do you think you uh, break with common strategies often or, or like I'm just kind of curious how you think about the game and if you're always trying to look for ways to break it or if you're just optimizing it or sort of how does your brain go about tackling playing and and thinking about and talking about twilight imperium so in my group back in college which i still play with on tts uh basically me and the host would always be the guys that are about to win and just start uh lambasting the table with all these strategies of how to stop that player from winning You you get to the point where the two of you are playing chess and using the other players as your pawns in your chess match. Right. And, you know, we've been playing since like 2010, so 10 years now. Mm-hmm. So we've just run into all these crazy situations like in the game y'all were streaming on Saturday. Just like, oh, yeah, you can stall twice as long using Promise of Protection. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. How many um, in in 10 years of playing TI, do you have any sort of guess on like how many games you've played? There's there's some players that play just like an ungodly amount. And I wonder where you're at in that kind of spectrum of of how often you get it to the table and and for how long that's been consistent with you and your group. Um, I probably played 50 times while I was in college and then maybe four other times uh, we managed to. actually meet up and meet space after college Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then uh there is a like three-year period of time where i played a lot of play by forum pdf games Mm -hmm. and then after that it's been tts usually once a week when i'm not all that busy wow so a lot (laughs) And, and and kind of to your point there of of it's a lot of where your information comes from isn't even from um crazy you know necessarily research but just the the sheer experience of playing a lot and kind of always having the game on your mind i mean i feel like if i were to search number of messages on the discord you would be in the top five to ten people of like just how often you are talking about twilight imperium and how often you have it on your on your brain uh yeah i pretty much 
make my day job do itself very quickly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, so one one thread with you, Brian, in the tournament thus far is I feel like both your prelims and your semifinals game have been sort of a win from a head uh, type uh, of game. Uh, Actually, both. I guess both both basically had that had that shape. It's hard to remember the the prelims because there were so many of those. But yeah, yours was like a soul game, right? Where you where you kind of took a decisive lead and then ran with it. Um, yeah, I think both games I didn't even get a stage two. Yeah, that wow. sounds right. Um, do, how, so within your play style, uh, what do you feel like? Um, what do you feel like informs this uh, kind of win from ahead ability that we're seeing in the tournament? Is this like, do you feel like you win a lot of games in that way? Or did you kind of, did the RNG kind of sing to you? Well, it pretty much comes down to the way I try to play the game is to get points all the time. Anything Mm -hmm. that is not points, I don't really want to do unless it's stopping someone else from getting points. If I'm the only one in the lead, then I don't have to worry about as many people catching up, right? But then that second tournament came, my rounds three and four were just god-awful because <laughs> I got stomped so hard by right. the agenda. Is that, I mean, is, is, that a, is that specific, would you say, to your play style of, like, you are trying to maximize every single individual round as opposed to kind of, like, the whole game like do you i mean are you viewing it as a race you just got to get there first or like sort of how does the whole game map out in your head or are you are you playing in the moment and trying to accomplish everything you can at every interval yeah i mean it's pretty much a race to 10 points i mean that's how you win the game uh i uh generally once i have a point that i know i'm gonna be able to score i sometimes will push my luck to uh Mm -hmm set up you know a status phase secret objective or stop somebody else from scoring but most of the time it's just get your points while you can get them and uh cross your fingers that uh you know how to not get stopped right right there at the end you you also on the discord do a lot of those kind of like wild theory crafting thing you know the the ones that don't even make sense where it's like how many is it possible for someone to win round one and like you guys count that stuff out and and you're doing those weird you know non-realistic theory crafting but how much of that are are you doing um for for realistic situations how much are you um kind of theory crafting out to me it seems like you talk a lot on the discord about the like optimum strategy with everything it's not it's not in a you know um, magi math calculator kind of way but it is still a you're looking for optimization and looking to do everything as precisely as you as you can is that is that fair yeah so all those sort of theory crafty unrealistic situations they're usually answering some uh deeper question mm-hmm. that's actually going to help you in a real game like how many times can soul sell their uh military support is not that question it's how many actions can soul take in a round right Mm -hmm. so you come up with crazy stuff like oh just activate a system that has hakan arbrek and mintak units in it and then you can stall four times as long (laughs) (laughs) well i mean i think it makes sense because what what you're saying is that you 
you have a lot of experience in the game of just seeing weird and wild stuff happen in TI before. So, of course, you're going to theorycraft new weird and wild stuff to happen because uh, basically every game of TI is its own beast and uh, has its own weirdness that is going to come up. Like this promise of protection thing just the other day, like it would have, I have never thought about that before the stall potential of that card yeah so so i guess the question then is because we see this in twitch chat from you all the time when when you're hanging out watching games and and you're able to like really sit there and like think through everything but we've seen it in your games as well i think that all of this feeds into you being maybe one of the better kingslayers out there because you know about a billion different ways that the whole table could interact with each other's components to then pull off some wild maneuver that other players wouldn't have even spent the time to think about to realize, oh, actually, we could make this go another round. We could force this into a further situation. Are you um, looking... I mean, we've talked about how you're mostly looking to score, but then when it, when it comes down to it, you're, you're looking to Kingslay... Um, we've been talking to other players about their view on on win making, and I wonder where you fall in that uh, paradigm of, uh, I mean, are you just, you will do whatever it takes, no matter what, to make sure the game goes on? Uh, to a certain point, like, I won't accept a uh, support for the throne for my 10th point. Mm-hmm. Very mm-hmm. unlikely to accept 10 trade goods for my ninth and tenth point either yeah Uh, but generally i'll uh continue fighting and shooting my shot till the bitter end right even i guess even if that let's say it's one of those what i would call rare situations that like it actually is kind of known that like um nothing's gonna come of it or whatever or like oh if you just stop this person it's just guaranteeing it for that for, for the next one in line when that really ridiculous talk starts to happen where do you um where do you draw the line i guess i mean are, are you you know do, do you stop when it's clear that like obviously someone's winning or do you do you still do everything you can and you want the person to win to be the one that had the least stoppable victory condition what i would strive to do is to stop the person who's going to win the soonest like the player holding imperial mm-hmm. or nalu or the person holding leadership. And then let's say I have Diplo and I still have a shot. Well, once I've stopped leadership, who cares what's going on with warfare? Brian, uh, how do you, how do you prep for like, how are you feeling about the, the finals? How do you, how do you prep? Do you prep for, for games like this? Or like, are you kind of, you kind of fly by the seat of your pants? Uh, I'm going to be flying by the seat of my (laughs) pants again on this map. (laughs) I was uh, moving between my prelims and my right. semis game, and I only got in a game of Franken in between. <laughs> wow. So, <laughs> so good studying value out of that. <laughs> Who are you looking at as far as other people in the finals that you're looking to maybe be in contention with, or um, or how have you evaluated uh, them, if, if at all, I guess? Well, we've been uh, talking a little bit in... Uh, finals chat and meme town and whatnot it seems like at least half of the players are not down for secret conversations Mm. and i feel like 90 percent of what ginger gets away with (laughs) can't be done (laughs) without secret conversations so are you are you in camp secret conversation or or camp no secret conversation 
Camp No Secret Conversations. Okay. Oh, nice. My uh, IRL group never used them. Yeah, I mean, I think I think Secret Conversations are a weird kind of. Um, I some groups did that. Some group, like I mean, obviously me and Matt's group uh, were crazy about that. Yeah. And then it seems like as we've gone on, we're both kind of shifting away from that um, mm-hmm. as as a as a thing. Mostly just because of time. I I would say I actually don't have a lot of strategic hangups with secret conversations so much as I just, I don't like them from a broadcasting perspective and from a, from just a time in my, how much time I have in my life perspective. It's, it, it feels so cut and dry with you, Brian, like this, (laughs) it feels like we've, we've hit a really simple thing with you, which is just that like you have so much ridiculous amount of experience and, and you spend so much time with this game, I guess what I'm curious about is, is it has it only been Twilight Imperium in your life for, for so long? Or do you have a bunch of other games? Or is it like the reason you can think so much about this is because TI is literally the only thing inside of your brain? No, I play plenty of other games. The reason why I'm such a good Kingslayer <laughs> is because I have been slain so many times <laughs> in so many creative ways <laughs> that I'm just like, oh yeah, you just do this and it really kicks them in the gut. So that was Brian. Brian is an interesting fella to me in terms of how much his um, skill level comes from just raw games played and experience right. and, and, and like an understanding of the game. It's like the opposite of john i mean the way he even talks about it it's like yeah i'm just gonna i'm gonna get in there and i'm gonna play i'm gonna play ti you know i'm right whereas like these other players are like diligently like taking notes and doing practice games john's just playing ti every time he plays he sits down and he plays another game of ti you hear right. that from like you know basketball players are just like yeah coach i'm just i just go out there and i just play i just play my best game i do my best i like right. they're, they're not overthinking it that's how i feel about brian yeah and i would say the best thing I can probably say about Brian in this uh, this collection of, of interviews that we have is that I think of all... It's great that he made it to the finals because I think Brian is one of those people that has in a kind of like, just like sh- sheer amount of response to the show, probably yeah. had the most impact on the show. Yeah. Um, as far as like errata and feedback. Right. Um, I mean, on a on a level of just like, we kind of expect Brian to respond to the things that we do. And a lot of the time his response uh, has made it into the show. I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to measure that off the top of my head, Sure, but it's been a lot. It's been a lot, a lot. So it feels good to see him in the final. He's seen everything at this point. So, so, so often what he brings up in errata is stuff that it's like this weird edge case thing. And so like, if you listen to older episodes, you probably hear us roll our eyes at him a lot because it's like, okay, well, when would that ever come up? And But for Brian, I, after this interview, I now realize that's not Brian just making up edge cases. That's like stuff he's probably seen and had to work out and now knows right. because of some you know previous game, however many years ago or whatever. So it's like for him, these things are actual real events that like you have to have a plan for if it's going to come right. up. You don't get to just treat it as an edge case. When that edge case comes up in your game, you need to know how to deal with it. And and that seems to be Brian's whole MO is just like, hey, I've seen it all and I, I will know how to handle every situation when it comes up. 
Right, and also an edge case can mean a lot more than just that yes. specific case. It's it's right. it, it can be about theoretically about something that is more common than it sounds. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, really, I'm actually really excited about uh, Brian uh, being uh, being in the finals because of the amount of response we've gotten from him. Our next player is also Ooh. someone that has been in the. Oh, we forgot to Definitely. read his. Uh, we forgot to yeah, read Brian's ahead. things as just before we introduce Mick Mac. Uh, I didn't say it beforehand, but Brian won a Soul and Speakeasy and L1Z1X and Sprite. So just because got to get that out there. But yes, Brian's game is uh, game three in the semifinals, and it is. I mean. We love all of the semifinal games, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. It's all mm-hmm. really great content. Um, and it's it's a bummer because I actually didn't get to commentate Brian's. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I have seen it because I had to edit it because I had to see all of them. Um, the, the crazy dramatic stuff at the yeah. end of that game is really worth uh, checking out. Yeah. Um, very, very, very cool stuff he pulls off in order to to win that. He wins with style, I guess yeah. is what I'm saying. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so our next player is Micmac Moose Hunter. You were about to say uh, that, that oh, Micmac yes. Moose is another player that's been around, um, you know, our community forever. hasn't been playing Twilight Imperium as long as Brian, but has been playing games for longer, uh, and is and is has been around and a part of this show for a very long time. Micmac Moose won as the L1Z1X in Lil Brother in the prelims, and won as Xcha in Wendy's. Hunter, which game yeah. number was that? Um, that's game number four right. that Moose wins. Um, one fun fact about Moose that I noticed just going through the working through the YouTube videos is that Moose actually played in the first prelims game of our first tournament. Wow! So yeah, if, if you go <laughs> all the that. way back to the beginning of the tournament videos, uh, you will see Moose playing. And of, and of course, Moose did not move on in the prelims of the first tournament. Right. Um, but this year, he's gone all the way to the finals, babe. Mm-hmm. So I am, I'm super excited. Uh, and I think the the conversation we have with him is uh, super pleasant. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm very excited for you to hear this one because it's a lot of Moose talking, I'll say that much. And he, <laughs> yeah, he, wants to he was very well. ready to do he's this. He's ready to talk. <laughs> so uh, get ready because Moose has a lot to say. And here's our interview with him. Well, it's um, it's quite exciting to be honest. Um, <laughs> I, I, I joined uh, the SCPT, you know, sort of about the fifth week in from when you started. Yeah. Whoa. And um, I only discovered TI. Um, I had about three games of TI three and was blown away by it. Um, and um, pretty much moved straight on to TI four. Uh, when a friend brought it and then discovered it on TTS and yeah, it's, uh, it's been, it's been uh, interesting yeah. and you mm-hmm. guys, you guys have done such a great job. It's been very entertaining. Um, you know, what you've done with the community, etc. That's oh, off to you. Well, thanks that <laughs> I appreciate that. What do you, uh, what do you do for a living? What's your, what's your day to day? Um, Okay, so I'm 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 quite a an, an oddball really. I'm a I'm a I'm a civil engineer by profession. Okay. Uh, I was a bridge engineer doing reconstructions. Worked for the railways. I then worked for some of the major building comp, uh, construction companies. I got headhunted for the Channel Tunnel for Wembley Stadium um, in civil engineering. Wow. But at that time, I'd also started my own small little company, and I got uh, involved in doing a. Uh, a hotel refurbishment 
uh, and I, I've been very much in construction a lot of my years until until about two thousand and four, two thousand three, two thousand and four. I ended up making rocking horses and rocking dice dinosaurs when Jurassic Park came out, <laughs> and they were they were flat pack systems. And I designed the flat pack, so I had a Triceratops, a Brontosaurus, and um, a T-Rex. But now I I do property inspections, and I've been running a small uh, boiler uh, boiler business, you know, doing people's heating. So mm. completely completely changed and moved on from civil engineering. Wow. Um, and I've had to make different changes in my life because my wife got Parkinson's. Um, mm. And I've had to sort of like look at work that I can really do from home. So yeah, that's that's a very potted, quick, checkered history of my my working career. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I grew up with three older brothers who were all into games. They were four, six, and ten years older than me. So from a very early age, I was playing diplomacy and you know Risk and Monopoly, all those type of games. Uh, then we discovered the Avalon Hill games with. Uh, Third Reich and Squad Leader right. and Blitzkrieg, yeah, and and that was blown away. We also had uh, my first my first go at playing a space game was a game called Four Thousand AD. Okay, it might be before you before your time. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm probably the oldest in the actual tournament at fifty seven. Yeah, but that's that's not that's not the age of my heart. That's not. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, so you have a you have a, a long history then with with war games and stuff. Uh, I'm I'm curious how you take those games and compare them to Twilight Imperium. How you kind of approach a game of Twilight Imperium. Um, I don't I don't know if any of your if any of your multiple careers you feel like feed directly into your your skills as a TI player. But I'm I'm curious kind of where you take the most inspiration for your play and and what you focus on when you're when you're playing Twilight Imperium? I'm fairly super focused. You know, I like playing chess and cards. I sort of have a bit of an analytical mind. That's probably from the fact that, you know, I, my education was, you know, in, in structural design. Mm-hmm. You sort of analyze, you analyze things. Mm-hmm. Then when it comes to uh, looking at the older games that I've played and, and how they've, they've helped me, one thing's for sure. Growing up with three older brothers playing games, you learn to be a good loser. <laughs> um, I had one brother that's pretty, he was a pretty good winner. He would, he would bang his head on the table as well. And um, <laughs> that's been an education because uh, I, I've learned to really be able to, I have to survive uh, when, you, when, you got, when you've got older brothers. Mm-hmm. And, and to be able to compete with them and to make the game interesting for them and I think you, you have to do a crash course in, in sort of like analyzing tactics and strategy. So I would say that I don't approach games uh, without giving a lot of thought to what I want to do and how I want to do it. And that's the beauty of like with the tournament games and having the tournament map. Uh, you can spend plenty of time analyzing what you'd like to achieve and how you'd like to achieve it. Invariably, it it never turns out anything like that because either you end up in the slice you didn't want to be or with a faction you didn't want to have. One of the interesting things with playing TI, TI has proved to be such an epic game. Now, so I was playing, I started playing Eclipse before TI came along. Hmm. And um, I, I, I love playing the games that like take hours. The, the problem with that 
with those games is that you want to play with friends. And I've listened to some of the comments and one of your one of the sh one of the shows that you did uh, was was talking about the fact that you know when you're playing with uh, with friends and you're playing a game that takes hours to play, do you eliminate them if you have the opportunity? Right. Um, and TTS is great in that regard because I'm, <laughs> I'm, you know, if I get a group of friends coming, you know, and they've travelled an hour, two hours to come, and we've sort of like put it in our diary, and we're going to meet at this date, etc. And you all sit down and you start the game, and you have the opportunity to wipe someone out. It's like you're reticent to do so because, you know, they're friends, and you want them to come again. You know, with with TI um, in particular. Uh, I, I found that playing in real life, uh, as much as it's more fun playing face-to-face -face with people in any game, the TTS allows you to be ruthless if you want to right. be. Yeah, right. I think that's a, a fun point to bring up because uh, last week, I think I said something along the lines of, uh, to me, you seemed like a really polite player. And you, you are obviously a polite person, but even the Discord has started to call out, uh, the, the idea that Micmac Moose is not <laughs> is not a, uh, a kind player in that they've seen you do some pretty ruthless stuff. And, and as you're just saying, you actually seem to, to relish that a bit in the in, in what TTS offers you. So I'm curious um, from, from sort of a strategic point of view, um, are you are you looking for those opportunities or is it just that you aren't afraid to take those ruthless approaches if they seem necessary? Having diplomacy as a as a background mm -hmm. and those type of games, you do realise that pa power balance is really important, and and that that goes for TI in particular. Mm -hmm. Now you can have an opportunity to take someone's home system, um, and you can do it just for the because you can, but should you is another. Another thing, totally, you know, another question, totally. Because if you take someone, if you go and attack somebody because the opportunity allows, you know, has presented itself to you and you can't resist it, you've also got to remember that you attacking that person is going to do two other things. It's going to weaken that person against their other neighbour because they've got to focus on you. You're obviously now opening up a a front that can potentially leave you weak on on your other side. But more to the point. By kneecapping another player, does that benefit you more or does that benefit the neighbour more mm -hmm. or, or the person across the table on the wormholes? Or sometimes you've got to look at the fact that it may be better to fuel a player and help them, you know, in, in, a, in a mission against another neighbour rather than actually by trying to, trying to take them out. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I don't think TI is really sort of geared up for you know, trying to take people out of the game. I think it's about creating power balances that, that allow you to, you know, keep an edge um, on, on objectives. But what TTS does do, because you're playing with individuals that you haven't got to worry what they're going to do after the game's finished, mm -hmm. uh, if the opportunity arises and you've got an objective that is, you know, needs you to, to, to go into someone's slice, well, you'll be silly not to take the opportunity. Now, one of the things that does disappoint me with some, you know, one or two of the players that I come across in on the TTS is um, 
Uh, when, they, when they talk about getting salty, uh, mm-hmm. they, if they then make it their mission just to spoil your game, mm-hmm. I think I think they've missed the point. Um, I've got to admit, if someone does a really good move against me, that basically puts me out of the game. But actually, when you look at the move, you know you've got to give it respect. Right. And then, yeah, you. I, I wouldn't get. I wouldn't get salty over that. I think myself. Fair, well played. Right. Um, a tr- a you know, true I, British gentleman. When when <laughs> when at the TI table, you you really do kind of evoke that. Uh, and and we've seen it. I, I and I think that's why we get the impression we get from you of just like kind of unending kindness and 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 you know you're you're here to play the game, not um, get emotionally involved in the results. Is kind of my impression. I want to win. Don't sure. don't don't think don't think for a moment. I don't want to win. But uh, enjoyment of the game is more important to me mm-hmm. uh, than, than the actual than the actual winning. I, I, I've been running a, a whist uh, a whist championship um, through the through the winter for about twenty seven years, and we have like 30, 40 people come, and you go around the tables. Like, <laughs> You've like, been holding a tournament longer than Ginger has been alive. <laughs> I just want to point that to, just to speak to experience. That's great. Anyways, I'm sorry. Finish your point, but that's that's such um, a beautiful thing. And when you play, when when you're playing whist, we play we play solo, and it's estimation whist. It doesn't matter what what hand you get dealt with, it's how you play it. But you can count cards, and you can be really good as far as 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 a player in that regard. But actually, you're playing with people of different skill levels, and you've got to be able to sort of feel your way through mm-hmm. what they have in their hands. And you've got players that are a bit, you know, a wild cards. You've got no idea what they're going to come out with. And you've got to sort of get to understand the way that they think. So you, in some ways, you sort of you can count the cards, but you've also got to feel the hands. Mm-hmm. You've got to feel the game, feel the players, understand the mentality or the skill level that you're dealing with. You can then, uh, to a certain degree, not manipulate. TI allows you to ma- manipulate. You've got a player like Defteris, who um, he'll, he'll come in and kneecap you. And then you'll convince you that he's doing you a favor. And that- <laughs> I, I was wondering if you would be willing to speak to your deal making in the prelims game at all. I got I got blue and yellow into the into the chat before we even started. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I didn't just want to do a trade um, a trade triangle. Mm-hmm. I wanted to do a trade and a tech triangle, mm-hmm. um, so that we kept between the three of us. The politics, the tech, and the trade card. Well, they, they both played along initially, um, but the the meta that we sort of set set out right at the start, which was to keep Yin and Necro really out of uh, out of money, um, really worked. And um, I mean, I managed to get two supports without trading my support in that game. I don't think anybody will really know my style because I'm a Maybe I'm a little bit. Um, I can, I, I can, I can be surprising, I suppose. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, I would say, I, I would say, your prelims game surprised me very much. I, I would probably say that that prelims game, Hunter, was the best game I've ever played. It was awesome, um, Moose. I'm curious then, because t- to me, it feels like you're you're good at talking about kind of everything that I think all of us, you know, try to know about Twilight Imperium and. And to me, it, it feels like you're a, a leaf on the breeze of, of strategy because you'll you'll 
you watch other players. You, you talk a lot about what other players are doing. And to me, it seems like you, in any particular game, you don't adopt one specific play style. You, you seem to be very good at knowing what will win this game against this set of players. And, and you're able to shift your entire play style. Um, maybe it's due to experience or maybe it's just due to being able to, to adapt. But I feel like that, that adapting um, style is, is, is the only thing we can kind of peg you on is like, oh, you'll, you'll be able to take on any type of strategy if, if it is necessary. I wouldn't disagree with you. And I would say that from a point of view of, of any game that I've played, the trade, the meta, the negotiations uh, knock socks off every other game that okay. I've ever had any dealings yeah. with. Yeah. You know, the, um, I mean, I've done a fair bit of role-playing games as well. And I feel that TI brings that role-playing into in, into you know into uh, into the game and I, and I and I and I and I love that it's um you know that that sort of sort of building in that sort of trickery and deceit mm -hmm. uh, you know keeps everybody on their toes really because you know you, you've got to know you've got to know whether you can really trust what's being said and what's being done and the issue of king making etc is just uh, or you know not not to king make or to king make or not to do anything that king makes mm -hmm. or to right. do something as king make is 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 a really interesting topic and i don't think you'll ever get to the bottom of that from my perspective i would look at a game and look at who's done what and how they've done it mm -hmm. and think to myself do you know what i actually feel that they deserve the win um and probably i would then work i would then uh, i would then king make on that basis um not because of whether or not they've been good or kind to me, but basically on and how good they've played. Right. Right. Now this tournament, for instance, um, I mean, I've done a lot of things in my life. As you can, you know, from whitewater rafting in New Zealand, going across the the Rockies on a on a train and seeing the sunsets and the uh, and and the, and the sun sunrise, um, kayaking the most difficult river in England. Um, and various things, and getting to the final <laughs> of TI in 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 the, in the SCPT tournament is sort of rates there on my bucket list as one of the <laughs> one, of, one of my favourite achievements. Wow! Um, Thank you so much, Moose. This was this, this was, was fantastic. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Super, super guys. Keep up the good work, and um, thank you very much. And uh, that last bit almost made me cry. Uh, yep. So <laughs> thank you. Thank you very, very much uh, to Moose for his, his kind words and, and just what a great guy. And maybe I'm rooting for him now. I think I'm rooting for <laughs> Moose now. It's, it's, hard, it's hard not to yeah. root, for, root for somebody <laughs> like that. Um, all right. So we've got one more. Our final, our final finalist yep. to talk about um, th or to, to interview today mm -hmm. um, is, of course, uh, Ginger. Yep. Um, we saved the guy that basically contributed half of the Dune episodes. Right. Um, <laughs> for last. <laughs> for last. Yeah. Ginger Ginger is similar to Brian. I mean, Ginger is always popping in with, with hot takes on, mm -hmm. on Arata, but especially when the Dune episodes were going on. Ginger And Ginger kind of mentions this in the interview, but Ginger attacks games when he gets into a game he he right doesn't <laughs> ever stop with that game so uh, i think there was a lot that we were going into this interview where I, I i was anxious to learn about because he's he's very vocal and uh, very very vocal in games and so kind of hearing where all of that comes from and hearing like what kind of player 
why he talks so much and is there a you know is there a rhyme and a reason which of course there is and 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 so i'm i you know this this was an interview that was i think very necessary for the whole community to get a pic better picture on ginger because i think after game six uh of the semis uh he he is now he's kind of the heel and so uh uh, being able to hear everything from his perspective is, is very useful. Ginger won the prelims as Barony in Gashfather Part 3, and he won his semis game as the Barony again in Duncan. So I'm curious. I'm mostly curious at he this point. He likes Barony. Yeah, I wonder how, <laughs> if he's going to get Barony again in the finals. Apparently, Nalu is also a very dangerous faction uh, for Ginger. So I think Nalu has to be banned in yeah, the finals, just definitely. in general. Like, definitely. there's just no way um, that it can happen. Um so yeah, I mean Ginger, um, kind of kind of a newer member of our community. Actually, I mean mm -hmm. it feels like he's not newer because he's been since he's been around. He he has been a very vocal right. part of the community. Um, if I think watching um, his game, uh, which is game six in the semifinals, uh, you see a lot of really crazy uh, good play out of everybody. That was a very solid table in yeah. general. Um, and uh, it's, I think it's exciting to, to have him in the finals. He has a very specific point of view. And what's interesting to me is that I feel like if uh, Ginger just feels like he kind of differs from a lot of people in how yeah. he plays. Yeah. And I wonder, he's the type of player that him being in this tournament is going to likely in fact the, or impact, I said in fact, that doesn't make any sense, <laughs> impact the way um, the game is played. Um, and also, uh, we're kind of going to do something artsy. Uh, we're going to let him have the final word in this episode. This is kind of, this is it for me and Matt in yep. this present timeline for this episode. So yeah, we got, in the present got a little, timeline. <laughs> in this present timeline, you're hearing us from this time, and then you're going to hear a little bit of us uh, from the before time. Um, but yeah, so, so we have Ginger here. And also, I just want to say one more time, please come yeah watch the finals yes. it's gonna be magical all of these players are magical and uh and yeah here let's uh or I, is there anything else you want is there anything you want to say matt before we toss no, it to there's, there's so many more words about to be said just in, uh, what we're leading into is is also maybe not the lengthiest of the interviews because i think you said you edited it down quite a lot <laughs> but uh but boy this but there's boy, a lot of good stuff in this, this boy talks so let's get to it How did you um, discover and get into Twilight Imperium? It was the weirdest way. I was, I don't remember, I was procrastinating assignments and I was like looking up something science fiction related. Mm -hmm. When I stumbled across on Google Images, I found like a picture <laughs> of the of the race sheets from TI4, which, you know, have these like intense, beautiful graphics yeah. on it. And I was like, what is this? This, this merits further investigation. <laughs> and then... Uh, you know, lo and behold, it's this big board game, and then lo and behold, there's a TTS community for it. Yeah. So, uh, how long ago was that? I mean, because I, I don't um, last remember? last August. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I didn't think you were like around last tournament or anything no. like that. So no, I was not. So you you came heavy on the scene, um, and you also kind of did the same thing with Dune. You like hit the ground running and went crazy. Obviously, we were pulling your you, you and Corbeck Jane's notes every single week. Um, when you approach board games, like what is what is kind of your I don't know your your methodology because you seem to go like real hard in the paint and, and just play it as as many times as possible. Um, I 
I don't know, because this is this is a bit of an odd question. It's not odd question. It's a bit of a odd question for me to answer. Mm-hmm. Because it's it's really whatever I'm this is gonna be a lame cop out, but whatever clicks with me. I don't yeah, yeah. it's not uh some some games I just don't don't get. Yeah, you're just following your never, dreams. <laughs> with, yeah, with I could games. never I could never play chess. I was always garbage at chess. Interesting. Oh dude, me too. I hate chess yeah. so much. Well, I, you know, I, I'll be honest, that that makes sense to me in in watching how you play TI and the fact that you gravitated really hard onto Dune as well, because those games are way more about above the table. And you are, especially in this coming finals, I mean, you are the most above the table player I think we, we have. So yeah. how do you approach uh, like an individual game of Twilight Imperium? Like what is your kind of end game outside of, oh, I want to score 10 points and, and win it? Like what is, what is your primary tactics you're trying to take? Um, and I think, I think the, I don't know, the, I'd, I guess I'll refer to the, the the finals game because I was uh, the semifinals game because I was yeah I was talking with uh, Defteris after the game and um, Defteris is a player I played with a lot like he informed a lot of my when I was just playing TI he slapped me around a couple times oh, and gotcha. informed my playstyle <laughs> heavily as a result in that game you'll notice I wasn't really focused on i i'm never focused on scoring a point for just a point mm. like you know taking trade to get five trade goods right yeah or attacking a particular tech to get the two and two yeah yeah i really really hate that interesting <laughs> and i personally think that's the sign of like you know a failing uh your game economy is failing yeah I agree. you're doing a point for a point okay so what are you focused on instead the I'm very tech oriented player because tech gives you options and flexibility. Mm-hmm. You notice I went lightwave deflector round three. My flagship hit the board round three. Right. By round four, I took trade, got a bunch of money, and bought uh, more dreadnoughts. Like I went up to four dreadnoughts. The reason I took trade also was that I drew focus research. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I would have taken tech to double tech to to get those. That sweet, sweet barony, barony boogaloo. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. So, so you're kind of from the beginning of the game. You're playing for the final round, not this round right now. Like you said, yeah, you're not you, playing to score really, a point this round. You want to score a point this round, but you're doing it in service of. I also need to make sure I have the best position in the end game. Yeah, exactly. And 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 I'm really, I'm really, I, I'm so happy you guys pointed out the. The hunt, the game I played on Hunter's stream as a comparison. Mm-hmm. I think I was I was playing Mentak. Hunter was playing Sardak. We were doing mm-hmm. the prelims map, and you're right. I talked too much because I, I like I lost my mind. Oh right. <laughs> because I had no like I had no path, and I was getting desperate and desperate. And you see that you see that in this game too, where start around five, I I go off the rails. Like I, I keep counting. And recounting Soul's resources, and you guys, you guys likened it to a filibuster to try and like drown mm-hmm. out other people's formation. It wasn't so much that as it was me buying time to try and think what the hell I needed to do to win. Because as soon as like Soul picked politics, I realized that I couldn't, I couldn't. I had to make a move. Yeah, I had to right, change something. Right. 
So you're because seeing I was gonna be that bigger picture. Order. Yeah, you're seeing that bigger picture with everybody's moves and 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 doing your best to not ignore it. <laughs> you have you know you have to act even if it's even if it's a round 3 trade negotiation that you think someone's getting too much out of, you know that that too much is going to snowball into a better position for them. So you have to find a way to get in on the negotiations. It, yeah. it seems to me that you are a, a big big negotiator. Uh, in these games, um, to like almost to you know to Twitch chats, you know <laughs> demise, you know that perpetual get, dismay. Yeah, yes, you get right. you get ridiculed. There's, it's okay. There's always there there always has to be a fan favorite. Right. I, you know, will grudgingly <laughs> accept the responsibility. Sure, but I I think that 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 means a, a lot in in terms of you kind of need that at every table. I mean, you you are the one who I I was fascinated by it must have been the semis game. Yeah, it was where you immediately we're still in the draft and you were trying to coordinate a way to make sure you got Barney Aletnev in the slice you knew were, you were going to end up. I mean, you you talked to Connor and you had that secret conversation. I I feel like it is the only secret conversation we have had during the draft. But it was so that you could get the faction in the right slice so that that could then lead to you having the late game potential that you needed. You you were looking at the whole entire game, not, well, what's what's going to be the best thing for me right now? Right. Yeah. And uh Unfortunately, I don't think that's gonna work in the in the finals. <laughs> I, Why not? I, yeah, I played that card. I don't think it'll. I don't yeah. think I get it. You don't get a pass on on picking yeah. your own faction. So okay, well here's my other question then is I, I mean obviously like we can't ignore the fact that you're getting a lot of heat here recently. I I think your name comes up more than anybody else's in the semis magi was always saying i'm worried about ginger i think Ginger's the one that will win it I, there's all kinds of factors feeding into that for magi you know he, he's trying to play the like three week long well, meta okay so so yeah. about magi i played a game with him he was he picked arborek in this practice game <laughs> he fed me latani too yeah, yeah. so so we all know that magi was doing other stuff but even even was, outside yes, of that there was a, an ulterior motive yes there. absolutely right. but in general like people are saying your name kind of more than anybody else because you you do talk a lot so are you making any considerations to counteract that like what what are you doing to keep yourself i guess in good graces with other players or do you care uh well with the with the other players it it, it matters with twitch chat it really doesn't so sure. right that, that uh, is a good distinction should we should yeah. we expect um should we expect as much um secret conversations out of you or do, do you think that negatively yes. impacts your meta at all, or you know, do you think that has any sort of effect, or do you just view it as a tool that you need to take as much think, advantage of? I think secret conversation, the negative effect of like meta effect of secret conversations, is a bit uh, is a bit exaggerated. Okay. I, I think there's there's a lot of other things that I might do that might swing meta against me or for me or whatever. I don't think secret conversation. I I will still use them. Is, yeah. is the point I'm mm -hmm. trying to make. I think you get more than you lose. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, actually, is there a way that you could kind of expand upon that a little bit? Like, are is your because you're kind of prone to secret conversations? What is kind of your tactic? I could understand if you maybe don't want to give it away, but uh, like when you're going into a secret conversation with somebody, like let's say I was playing with you and you invited me into a secret conversation, what what does that mean? Like, are you kind of always trying to get the better end of the deal or do you are you looking for mutually beneficial type of stuff or is it just kind of everything well the thing for a lot of deals and this is and and 
So I'll, I'll focus first on the, there's two things you typically use secret conversations for. It's dealing and plotting. Mm-hmm. Plotting <laughs> is fairly straightforward and obvious, right? Right. You, uh-huh. just don't want the other, you just don't want the other people to know that they can stop you if they move X ship to X system. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. There's, there's so many ways to, like, and the people who say, oh, they all know what you're talking about. Yes, of course they all know what you're talking about. They don't know how you're going to do it, and that's right. mm-hmm. completely critical. So that's, you know, I feel like that's a nonsense counter-argument. But, uh, like, there's so many ways to wiggle around a scheme in TI4. Right. But to dealing, the thing with deals in Twilight Imperium, and there used to be, there used to be, I think, a meme on one of the older meme towns where it's the guy from Futurama squinting. It's like, not sure if I lose the game by accepting the deal or win the game by accepting the deal. (laughs) You know? And... That's the thing. A lot of the deals are tough decisions to make, right? Right. They're already tough decisions to make. And a lot of deals, the thing with deal making is that more often than not, it typically boosts both players mm-hmm. significantly. Mm-hmm. So everybody has an interest in torpedoing that deal, right? At the table. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the classic one was with, between uh, me and Connor, right? Where Connor uh, Connor wanted to play unexpected action to fire pds and i'm telling him like look you're literally throwing the best card in the game to fire five dice so right. that uh so that um what's, so that magi might come in and you know win the game mm-hmm. right which is which you know if i had that conversation in public you know out of 10 everybody's like oh do it for the table connor you have to play you right know? yes it, you know it gets, so it's kind it, of about pressure. getting people just kind of getting people to disengage from the table and their yeah, you know, interest. And and it's not so much to, oh, you know, to snare people away so you can hoodwink them. It's people, it's a legitimate peer pressure that people think and, you know, they, right. they, yeah. people feel. And if they think in their own best interests, you know, albeit your interest too, you're making a deal. Sure. Then they're more likely to accept. Yeah. Yeah. That honestly, um, Ginger, I think that might be some of the strongest arguments we've ever heard for secret conversations. Yeah, yeah, um, I, I think, yeah, I think they're insanely useful, and I, it pains me to hear people think about banning them because, like, there's so right. much you can't do above the table. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about that last round then, and when things get shaky, as they do in so many games, and especially in games like what will surely happen in the finals, which is you are all fairly equally matched. When things turn, um into that that Kingslay win make scenario what's your guiding principle what's your philosophy i feel like everybody has a different kind of it's like an ethics question so like where what tactics do you start to employ in that final round um when when stuff starts flying off the handle a little bit better tactics than i used in my semis game that's for (laughs) for sure (laughs) Yeah, you had Hunter calling me world's worst quarterback, and that was 100% accurate. <laughs> right? Typically, it's, it's, it, you know, it all comes down to identifying who has a path before you, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and seeing if you can knock them out um, by whatever means. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so you focus on stopping the next most current leader. That's kind of your main prerogative. Is like I just have to stop Imperial, and yeah, I have to stop you, leaders. You know, you and want I have to stop. You want to be the. You want to try and be second in line to the throne and see the first one die in a hunting accident. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
Thank you for listening to Space Cats Peace Turtles, and thanks to Ben Prunty for the use of his music. You can find more at benpruntymusic.com and benprunty.bandcamp.com. Pax Magnifica, Bellum Gloriosum.